Good morning. What's your name? Jenny. Welcome to Young Adults Group. Drum roll. Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. I'm old school today. We're on paper. Um, I had a great time yesterday. Our outreach yesterday on the stroll was off the hook. It was. We interacted with hundreds of people. We got to meet people. We got to greet people. We got to invite people. If in the next month or so, one person comes floating in here, then it was, then it was all worth it. And even if they don't, it was worth it because, you see, what we did was we were a light to the community. We went out there and we were the light for Jesus. Whether somebody comes here or not, we, we never know that 90% of those people that we talk to attend church somewhere. We're not trying to steal anybody, you know. As long as they go to church somewhere, there was a lot of other churches on the block inviting people. So, you know, as long as somebody yesterday met somebody that invited them somewhere and they went there today, then I'm blessed. Amen? So back to Father's Day, I thought it was really great, you know, because you guys know how I love just God's timing and the way it is. And I'm like, do I want to do something on Father's Day? Well, I'm like, well, I'm kind of doing something based on fathers in my series since we'll be talking about, you know, Isaac and Jacob and Esau. And these are some really troubling kind of stories. And today's going to get real interesting. It's going to get very interesting, a different dynamic. Because sometimes when we think Father's Day, for me, I think it's different than what you may think about Father's Day. You see, for some people may come and sit in here and Father's Day may not be a happy place for them. That's the truth. You know, I, I wrote Father's Day. It's a day of blessing, a day of recognition, a day of honor, a day of smiling, a day of laughter. But for some, it's a day of pain, sorrow, and tears. It really is. Some people are going to be able to celebrate their fathers today. Some people might not have had fathers growing up. Some people may have had abusive relationships growing up with their father. Some people's fathers may not be with us anymore. I don't know what today represents for you. I really don't. But I want to share some really good stuff from the Word of God. And, uh, you know, some of us live in broken relationships. We really do. I, I don't know who needs to hear that. I know God put it in my notes. You know, some of us live in broken relationships. Some of us live estranged from our fathers. You know, I grew up with a dad that didn't want to be a dad. By the time I was 12 years old, my dad used to visit me once a year when him and my mom divorced when I was two. You know the end of the story if you've been coming here a lot. I just found out he wasn't even my dad. But, you know, that was what I grew up with. And, uh... What kind of person tells a 13-year-old boy, you know, we saw all those youth come up here, and I look at all these kids, and I think when I was their age, somebody sat me in the car and said, I'm not your dad. I'm just trying to be a positive role model in your life. How do you think that made me feel? I'll tell you, the year before that, I'd given my life to Jesus. However, I'm going to tell you that that day I didn't feel too good about myself. 
get a big hole right here. A big hole that you don't know how to fill. And uh, I remember telling a friend, this is many, many years later, this is in the last 10 years. I remember I told a friend one time, this was still when I thought my dad was my dad. And I remember I said to him, I said, you know, I understand that he's a selfish person and that he doesn't know how to love anybody but himself. I get it. I think a lot of us as men go through a stage like that. Some of us worse than others. And I said, you know, I understand that. And I'm at the line of reconciliation. I'm here. I'm waiting for the day he comes to me and says, you know, man, I didn't know how to love anybody but myself. And I don't know if I know how to do that today. I'm cool with that. I accept that. Like, I'm ready for that. And my friend looked at me and he said, Chris, you just put an expectation on that situation. And with an expectation, you're always going to be let down when it doesn't go that way. Even if that's where you stand. And I said, wow, you're so smart. You're so smart. And he was right. Because if I, cre- I, created, I still created an expectation, even though I wanted to say I let it go and I was good with it. I had an expectation there. And as long as I have an expectation, there's going to come disappointment. So, uh, you know, that was, that was what it was for me being young. And so I grew up with a, a stepdad uh, on and off through a long season until I was about 13. And he was an alcoholic and abusive, you know, drunk. Treated me and my mom really horribly. I grew up with a half-scary childhood. Very much impacted me in many areas of my life growing up. And... Um, so that also wasn't too positive. But I had a grandfather who loved me. My grandfather loved me. Today I know I'm his other son. He's at home listening right now too. I love you. Happy Father's Day. I know that. And that was the positive male influence that God put in my life, who at 50 years old took me to church at 12, where I ended up giving my life to the Lord. And he created that stability in my life that, was not coming from anywhere else. And he's the closest thing to this day, even though I know now I have a new dad, and me and my new dad are really building a great relationship together. My grandfather is my dad, and I love him. And, uh, and I got to spend the last week with him while I was on vacation. Thank you all for letting me get away. I appreciate that, and thank you, Dale. Um, so how many dads have we got in the house? Let me see the dad hands go up. Being a dad is not easy. Edwin, first Father's Day back there. Congratulations. I'm on like number 20. I think this is my 20th Father's Day. It's not easy being a parent. Those of us that have been doing this a while, we know. They're real cute when they're small, but they change. They become people. And one day, as much as you love them and like them, they're not going to like you. You know? <laughs> Today we do things much different than they did in biblical times, yes? We do things a lot different. Even though we live in a very dysfunctional society, I think our dynamics are a lot healthier than they were during biblical times. We're going to cover that today. Um, during that time, the firstborn was considered most important Bar none, you're number one. The priority to all, the firstborn would receive the inheritance of the father. 
We also know that those same men had dozens of children and children with concubines. How do you think all those children felt growing up? Illegitimate, unloved, unimportant, disassociated. Anybody ever feel that way in your life? Anybody experience that? Anybody think they experience that and feel that because they don't know how to have a relationship with God? Yeah. What we learn from God's word, what we actually take from the word, is that that dynamic, that dynamic is not the way that the case studies should have been during that time. Because you see, God, God didn't put importance on the firstborn. David, he was the runt of the litter. Came a mighty king, did he not? Okay. We'll look at today's story, Jacob and Esau. Esau was the big, strong, weightlifter, hunter, happy, healthy, make dad proud. And Jacob was the sissy boy who did the mama things, right? Right? But who became greater? Jacob. I'm just kidding. He wasn't, Jacob probably wasn't a sissy boy. He was probably just as well off as his brother. He just wasn't his brother. In his eyes, by his father, he was in a shadow. Yeah. His mother, and, his, and his mother loved him. So he was a mama's boy. So what we're going to read about today is a story of deception, broken promises, fleshly thinking and living. We're going to see through these negatives that God is able to align his will and plan for the life of Jacob. Do you ever notice, have you ever noticed in your life, I could tell you this happened to me, I would say hundreds, but that might be an exaggerative number, 50 to 100 times. I would say that 50 to 100 negative circumstances in my life, God has taken that wrong and made it a right. And God is the only one who can do that. Did you know that? Have you ever watched God take a wrong? I mean, a straight, you made a bad decision, and God make it right? You ever seen that? Chris, can you give us an example? Let me give you one. David. King David. Looked down and saw that woman Bathsheba, who was not his wife. Right? He lusted over her. Okay, fleshly thinking. He took her, had her husband killed. They had a baby. He made her his wife, illegitimate wife. They had a baby. That baby died. Do you know who their second baby was? Solomon. And do you know who their bloodline flows out of? Joseph the carpenter, the father of Jesus. You ever see God take a wrong and make it right? How about that story? God can take those wrongs that you've done and fix it and change it and turn it and, and align it for his will. But you, gotta, you can't just go, I'm going to live my life full of negatives. And Chris said that God's going to make everything work out. Now, now that's not what I said. Okay? So uh, I'm going to ask this again. Do you ever notice that God is the only one who can take a wrong and make it right? I'm going to ask you again at the end of this message. Okay, guys, get the verses up. Boom. I got a lot of reading to do. I'm going to go through it quick. 
because you know I don't got a lot of time. This is my part one of the blessing conferred. Isaac blesses Jacob. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son. And he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold now, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Although he did, it was coming. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Fleshly thinking. And make me savory food such as I love. And bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau's son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed I heard your father saying, Indeed I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring from me there two choice kids of the goats. And I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth sissy boy. I'm kidding. He says, And, and, and I am a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. A little fear there. But my mother said to him, but his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah to, uh, took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, I love this lie. Because, your, because the Lord your God brought it to me. <laughs> Don't lie on God's behalf. <laughs> wow. Okay. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near me that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So he's suspicious here. So Jacob went near to, eat, to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him and said, then he said, Oh, so he blessed him. Then he said, Are you really my son Esau? 
He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me and I will eat my son's game so I may bless you. So he brought near to him and he ate. And he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. There is some interesting dynamics that happened in that story. Are we all not waking up every day and in your mind you're like, okay, I want to be a better Christian today. Well, what predicament would that put you in if somebody asked you to go lie and deceive and do all these sneaky deaky things right here? The mother, do it. Well, there's a lot of things that are going on in this story. So I got some really good notes. I want you to pull these notes out. These are the things I pulled out of this, okay? Some good stuff. Because it's super interesting. Because God is the only one who can take a wrong and make it a right. Okay? Number one, this is, the sto- this is a story of the fragmenting of a family over spiritual matters. The fragmenting of a family. This day will change the dynamic of that family forever. All participants were at fault. All of them. Everybody here is to blame for what is happening on this day. Surprising, right? I know every time you've read this story, you're like, no, Jacob and the mom deceived. Well, let's remember back. You're starving and dying. Sell me your birthright. What good is it to me? You can have it. Right? But he was still going to take it, wasn't he? Even though he made an oath and already sold his birthright to Jacob. Lots of things going on here. Point B, Isaac was aware of Rebekah's prophecy concerning the younger. Was she not? Think she didn't have that conversation with her husband over and over while their kids grew up? You remember that time that God showed up and told me that the older would serve the younger? This is the blessed one. My boy. Not that one. This one. Think that didn't cause some dynamic friction at home in the evenings? Okay? Isaac was attempting to still pass, to still pass the blessing to Esau, even though he knew it should go to Jacob. Because it had already been prophesied. Not only that, but Esau sold that birthright to Jacob. You think Esau had that conversation with his dad? Hey, dad, things were really looking bad one day. I literally thought I was going to die. My blessing, I sold it to my brother, Jacob, the one I don't like. You think he had that conversation? Nope. How about this one? Bullet point D. Esau broke his oath of selling his birthright. He sold the birthright, and now he was pulling back on the deal. Deceptive much? I think so. All participants were at fault for this family dysfunction. 
this family dynamic. Rebecca and Jacob, with a just cause, deceived Isaac. With a just cause. And it was the only way it was going to go down for what would have been right. It was a deceptive move. But Rebecca knew the prophecy about her son, that the younger was going to be served by the older. She'd had that conversation with her husband. Her husband knew that. And the older son had sold his birthright. But now he was going to take the blessing anyways. So Rebecca and Jacob, with a just cause, deceived Isaac. What happened with all this? Well, these are some other things I got out of this. This would cause separation and hate amongst the family immediately. This would totally change the family dynamic forever. Rebecca would never see her son Jacob again. Do you know that? After Jacob left that day because Esau wanted to kill him, she would never see her son again. She was willing to sacrifice that time with her son to make sure he received the prophesied blessing over his life. The conflict between brothers was at an all-time high because you know these guys were probably in conflict their whole life. That's what brothers do. We got brothers in the room? Sisters in the room. Okay? Don't we want to be number one to our parents? You want to one-up somebody? Got the better story? Caught the bigger fish? Got the best game? The most savory food? I am the best hunter. These guys were in rivalry their whole life. And remember I've talked about this previously. We've been talking about Abraham as a dad, right? The Ishmael, Isaac thing. The same dynamics happening here. One son feels loved by his dad and one son does not, right? Crazy dynamics. So here we go. Because everybody would think when you read this story by yourself, you're like, Jacob did this deceptive move. He fooled his father and he stole the blessing, right? That's what you got out of this story the first 68 times you read it. Jacob did not alone destroy the family. Parental preference caused this to happen. Not Jacob. Anybody have any of that going on in your house? How about as a parent? Parental preference? Guilty. There she is. Look at that smile on her face. Couldn't help but cry when she was up here. In the National Basketball Association, for those of you who don't know, that's called the NBA, the players are not allowed to do anything like wave on TV or any of that. There was a player for the Utah Jazz. His name was John Saxon. And when he would shoot free throws, he would rub the side of his face on TV. And that was his signal to his kids that he loved them. So my signal to my daughter, she's shaking her head. I gave her that signal the whole time she was up here. Down low, nobody knows it. <laughs> Down low, I won't go there. But I want her to know I love her. So Jacob alone did not destroy the family. Parental preference caused this to happen. Let's look at some other flaws in this story, and we're going to look at Isaac now. Isaac's love for the world led to his own deception. His love for game, his love for the hunt, and his love for his preferred son 
led to his own deception. Wild game and tasty food governed his heart. That was all that was important to him. Go and hunt and bring me that favorite stuff. And when you do that, I'm going to bless you. If he had just blessed his son, Esau would have got the blessing. But no, he wanted something in return for the blessing. Something of this world. Go out and hunt my favorite. Go out and hunt. Bring me a wild game. Make my most savory food. Bring it to me. And then I will bless you. Ah. Don't pick that up when you read this stuff real quick, do you? He intended to bless Esau regardless of God's plan. Like I said, do you think he didn't know the plan? He did. He knew what had been prophesied to his wife. He did. And regardless of that, he was going to bless Esau. Why? Obvious. He loved Esau more than Jacob. Didn't matter what anything was. His heart was, I love Esau and he's getting the blessing. Shut up, woman. Don't talk to me. Esau gets the blessing. Okay? It's probably somewhere along the lines of what happened in this story. Right? Parental preference. Let's look at Rebecca and Jacob. Rebecca and Jacob risked it all in taking action. This is going to ruin a marriage, and this could get you killed by your brother. Do you think Jacob didn't know that his bigger, stronger, faster brother wouldn't kill him when he stole his blessing? Then he sold him. But he knew what he was about to do was going to put his life in risk. Because back at that time, people like hit their brothers in the head with stones, killed them, and hit them in the woods. You remember Cain and Abel? I mean, this is how brothers were treated back then. This is the guy you grew up with. Crazy, right? You ever read some of this stuff in the Bible? It's a rough book. Rebecca was certain that she could mimic the choice game. Didn't she say that? Bring, go and get me the two choice kids, the calves. Bring them to me, and I can make the same savory game. Because I can cook it the way your father likes it. His heart was governed by the world and the fleshly desires that he wanted. Jacob had no guilt but was full of fear. He didn't say, I'm not going to do this, it's wrong. He didn't say that. But he was afraid. Because everything his mom said, he was like, but this. But my dad will know. What if he finds out? He was full of fear. But he didn't have no guilt because he did it. Usually guilt and shame makes you go the other direction. Guilt and shame will take you that way. Fear you can face. The risk to reward was all in what? The blessing. There was a risk to reward ratio. Anybody live their life that way? Anybody take healthy risks for the reward? Not yet. I don't not suggest it, because if you don't take a risk, then you're living in fear. Let's look at bullet point five. Jacob successfully deceived his father, did he not? He successfully deceived his father. His mother prodded him twice. His mother prodded him to twice lie to Isaac. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to say. 
this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to say. You ever seen God take a really weird wrong and make it right? We're reading it. What did he do? He lied about his identity. And then he did that one I really don't like. He lied about God giving him success in his hunt. Man, it's one thing to lie, but it's another thing to use God in your lie. Smite me, almighty smiter. Right? I mean, that's, that's like one of those things, like, you know, when you grew up and somebody said, don't swear to God. You were like, okay, I won't, I won't, I swear, I promise. You were like, ooh, that's forbidden. If I swear to God and I don't go through with it, then I'm like, God's going to curse me, right? This guy lied to his dad about the blessing he was going to receive. Not only did he lie about who he was to get it, but then he also used God in his lie. He didn't just say, I went out and got the, I, I went out and the animal was easy to pick. No. The Lord your God, the God of your dad, Abraham, he helped me. Quickly I got this hunt done. Because, because your God helped me. That's what he did. Don't use God in your lies, folks. It's not a good feeling. Shame and guilt much, and then you go in the other direction. So he lied twice, and three times Isaac voiced his suspicion. Three times Isaac's like, ah, are you sure you're my son Esau? Something ain't right. Ah, come here, let me feel your body, because I still don't think you're Esau. Ah, let me smell your clothes and make sure you're really you. You think Jacob wasn't tripping? He's like, dude's on to me, man. I'm done. I'm going to get caught. Not blessed. I'm going to get cursed. And then I'm going to get killed. He's got to be freaking out. But dude kept his cool. He kept his cool. He's like, I'm me, dad. I'm the chosen son. I'm Esau. Right? Well, what happened with all this weird stuff that happened in this story? This is some strange dynamics. There's deception, broken promises, broken oaths, lies, lies swearing on God. There's some deep stuff happening in this story. What happened through all this, though? What did God do with all this negative? Jacob received the ultimate blessing, did he not? Because that blessing was designed for Jacob. Because when Jacob and Esau were born, God spoke to Rebekah and said, the older shall serve the younger. Jacob took what he had coming to him. And Jacob was going to get it no matter what. And that's why, even though in that weird, strange story, God provided protection and provision for everything to work out in favor of young Jacob. Did he not? Interesting. What kind of blessings did he receive? Well, we're going to read on in his story because we're going to have a lot of Jacob coming up. Jacob received prosperity and crops. Domination over other nations, just as it was prophesied. Cursing on those who cursed him. And blessing on those who blessed him. Everything worked out for Jacob. Everything worked out for Jacob. Because God had a plan and a will and Isaac tried to go against it, and Esau tried to go against it. And God did not allow that to happen, did he? Interesting. 
Interesting stuff. Now I'm going to ask you again. Do you ever notice that God is the only one who can take a wrong and make it a right? Now I didn't say go out and deceive your boss or go home and deceive your wife. Now that's not what I said. Okay? You hear what I said. The Holy Spirit's conviction will tell you what, what was said today. Okay? You understand the gist of the story. What I'm saying is, if God's got a plan for you, nothing's going to get in the way of it. Right or wrong, no one's going to get in the way of your blessing. God's going to make everything work out right for you. And if stories like this didn't happen, I guess Jacob would be without sin. He'd be perfect, wouldn't he? My goodness, I wish I lived a life like that. I don't know what's going on in your lives. I don't know what's going on with your significant others. I don't know what your family dynamic is as a father. I don't know what your family dynamic is as a son. I only know what I see and what you tell me. But what I do know is that God's word is not void. And what I do know is that God speaks to his people through his messages. And what I do know is that God put it on my heart to give you this message. So what I conclude on that is, I'm not sure who needed to hear what I had to share today, but I'm glad you heard it. You know? And next week, I'm so excited because we get to talk and dive into what happened when Esau realized what happened. Woo! Yes. Now, you know, I share this story because I share this story because there's a lot of us who've been hurt. A lot there there's people here who didn't grow up with a loving dad. But there is a dad in heaven who can love you better than any way you know how to love. Did you know that? Where's all my parents in the house? I want to see parents' hands go up. It's not fathers. Parents' hands go up. You know how much you love your children? God loves you way better than that. He is that good. God knows how to father and love you way better than that. And if you don't know him, where's my musician? If you don't know him, we're going to give you an opportunity to know him. We're going to give you an opportunity to meet him. We have not done too many invitations up here yet since I've taken the helm. And that's okay. I'm sitting back and feeling the crowd for a while, getting to feel things, getting feedback from my counsel. Everything keeps kind of moving along. You keep coming back, so you must not, not like what I say or dislike what I say. And I speak some hard truths. So that's good. I saw this uh, little post I put on my story, and it showed the mega church, and it said, tell them what they want to hear. And then it showed the empty church, and it said, preaching the truth. Take a look around. The truth, Okay. Where they flock together, it's because I, they, they hear what they need to hear. I'm good. Everything in my life is good, gravy. I'm feeling really good. No. You know what I used to love about Sunday morning? It would hit me right here and I'd be like, man, I got to do something about this. Man, I don't feel good about myself. You're like, I thought I was going to go to church and feel good about myself. Yeah, some Sundays. Sometimes, some Sundays you're like, yeah, go Pastor Chris. That's right. That's right. I need to hear. And then the next word out of my mouth, you're like, no, that doesn't align with my life. No, that doesn't align with what I'm doing today. 
Whoa, what do you mean? You mean that's not okay? I totally mean that's not okay. We teach the truth here, man. We read God's word. That's why every week I, I read God's word. And I don't grab a verse and throw it up here and turn it into whatever I want. I read God's word and I explain what I get out of it. Tell you what God puts on my heart to share to you guys. Okay? So let's do this. I'd like all heads bowed in the house. Nobody looking around making anybody feel uncomfortable. Nobody looking around making anybody feel uncomfortable. There is a, there is a God in heaven that is 100% real. That has designed this world and put you in it for a purpose. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And we're kind of tough people to have a relationship. Especially because we fall short quite a lot. And that same God sent himself in the form of a human being called his son a little over 2,000 years ago so that you could have a relationship with him and in turn that relationship would put you in connection with the Father. There is no need for a priest to pray for your sins. Your sins are forgiven through Jesus. Jesus is your connection to the Father. Now is there anybody in this house, young or old, that has not made a decision consciously in their heart to really know Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. If that's you, raise your hand. If you've never made the real decision to follow Jesus, raise your hand. Anybody that wants to know Jesus, I see you. Okay? Well, listen, let's pray this little prayer. Father, if that's you and you need to rededicate your life today, maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you know Jesus, but things in your life are not going the way you really know they should be going. Maybe that's you. Well, let's all pray this prayer together. Lord God, I am your child. Lord God, I love you. Lord, I need you. I need your grace. I need your mercy. And I need your love. I put my faith in you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again on the third day. And I believe you're the salvation of my sins. I'm going to make it my job to go out into the world and tell everybody about you. I'm going to publicly confess you. Save me from myself. Save me from my sins. I love you in Jesus' name, amen.